So can you can I meet you guys? What are your names? Uh, I'm Jake. I'm Cody Cannon. Nice to meet you. And I'm Anthony. Anthony. Jake, yes. Cody, Anthony. Yes. Cool. And you guys are stand-up comics as well. Yes. I'm a stand-up comic. Anthony's a writer and Jake mm-hmm. has like his own radio show and does sketch comedy and stuff. Oh, very cool. Okay. Nice to meet you guys. And how long have you been doing this podcast? Like two months? Two months. Yeah, just a <laughs> oh, so very new. Yeah, yeah. we, we yeah. all met doing stand up in New York. Oh, cool. Um, I did stand up in New York actually until very, very recently. I know. Um, we saw. When recently. did you? Uh, when did you leave New York? Uh, late 2019. So like right before the pandemic. Mm. Oh, nice. Mm. And how how long were you there for? I was there for four years. I was I was in college. Yeah. So I came home after I graduated college, and um, I meant to. Like I was planning on going back and then COVID hit and it just like didn't make any sense to go back. So I've just been here for a year and a half now. Um, But I do very much miss New York. I'm actually like trying to go back to LA. So like if I leave Houston, it would be to go to LA. Nice, Um, nice. But it was fine. It was like a really great place to get my start. That's my, that's my history with New York. I went to Fordham University, graduated last May. Not last May, (gasps) two Mays ago. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I live right by Fordham. So I'm pretty close to there. Uh, Fordham Lincoln Center or Fordham Rose Hill? Yeah, no, I'm Fordham in in the Bronx. Oh, so yeah, that's where I went. So you live in the Bronx? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a very underrated borough. Like it's just so full of like cool art and culture. Um, I know that the street that Fordham is on is where Cardi B grew up. And like a lot of cool people went to school there too. Like David Copperfield, the magician, and Amanda Seyfried and Lana Del Rey and stuff. Denzel Washington is the one we never shut the fuck up about. Every time someone brings up alumni, <laughs> we're like, Denzel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was fun. I like I've had my issues with the school currently even so like uh, with the COVID vaccine crisis in India, they're not saying anything, but mm. they send like kids on a mission trip to India like every year where I went on that mission trip because I was like, oh, I'm Indian. Cool. I can contribute to the community. Mm. We didn't do anything. We did like two or three hours of service work. And at the end of this, the service trip, everyone would just like get into it. We had these like reflection sessions, which I guess would have been effective if we actually did anything. Right? <laughs> but we were just like sitting around in these circles and then we would talk about like what the one hour of service work we did that day and all these kids would start fucking crying they'd be like oh my god like the impact that i had on this person just like moved me so much i'm like man what the fuck did you do like what impact are you talking about and then the leader who's like the the whitest like he could not get any more caucasian um he got the coordinates of the 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 um, place that we volunteered at tattooed on his bicep Ugh. and I was like what you went there like three times you did a total of like two hours maybe three hours of work if we're being liberal with it like if I look 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 if I got the coordinates of places that I went to and did nothing in and cried tattooed on my body, I would have like the coordinates of like seven McDonald's. You know? like, just don't... Like, it's just... That's awesome. So that's, I was just so mad because Fordham like sends these like non-Indian kids on this mission trip every year where they just go do nothing. It's a lot of sightseeing. Like they take you on tours and boat rides and stuff. They do like an hour or two of service work and now they're fucking completely silent about this covid vaccine crisis and i was so angry i was like why you know anyway (laughs) that's what i've been pressed about for the past 24 hours were you born in india no i wasn't born in india i was born and brought up here i I did almost go to india for college though um and uh I feel about India the way I feel about America, like very conflicted, like the government sucks. They don't really do anything for their citizens. But I do hold a lot of pride in being from there, if that makes sense. Like, I think that the culture is really cool. As with any society, there are a lot of flaws. Like, I think most glaringly, um, their prime minister is like, if you took Trump and made him like 100 times worse. (laughs) So and he's like not really doing anything during the yeah, COVID vaccine crisis. And, and you know, there's a lot of issues there, like similar to racism here. There's a lot of issues there that like it's there's so many nuances with like different religions. And then within the religion, there's a caste system. And then there are lots of like non-Hindu Indian people. They face a lot of discrimination for not being Hindu and stuff. But like, I don't know, it's all very conflicting. But now they're suffering because of a COVID vaccine crisis, which which affects everyone, obviously, but it, it right. affects 
the poorest people and the low caste and the non-Hindu people the most. And so it's just hard. I mean, like India was already, India is already struggling like as a country, I think, uh, when it comes to a lot of social progressive issues. And I feel like this uh, COVID just like exacerbated all of those things in like the worst way possible, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Damn, that's some... It's heavy. Yeah, exactly. Not to ruin the mood. I know <laughs> no. this is a podcast. <laughs> no. Welcome to Comics and Chronic. I am Jacob Fate. As always, I am joined by Anthony Iannaccio and Cody Willaka Cannon. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, she's a very funny comedian, writer, actor, I presume. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Hopefully. Sorry. Hopefully well, soon. Soon to be actor. And did you do a <laughs> TED Talk? I did too, as a matter she of fact. She did too. And a <laughs> yeah. TED Talker, please welcome right. to the show, Abby Govindan. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, jokingly, like I remember in high school, I was saying like, oh, we're well overdue for, for a pandemic. And, and then Trump came into office and like disbanded the pandemic uh, whatever committee task force. And then within the year, like within a year or two of him doing that, we got another pandemic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that like, I think that one thing that like really marks this pandemic differently from previous pandemics, like I know there were always naysayers and anti-vaxxers. I think that we all, me included, did think we were indestructible. Like we're like, oh, it's 2020, like, uh, you know, modern medicine, like there's nothing that we can't really tackle. And then along comes this vaccine that really feels like it was pulled like from the depths of like a, a fucking like pandemic movie. You know, it's airborne. You can get it more than once. Like the antibodies don't last forever. Um, it mutates, which is crazy. We just learned that a couple of months ago that like we've been wearing masks and we were like, oh, we're doing so well, like numbers are going down. And then the COVID that the COVID virus mutated to move through masks. And now we need two masks in public, you know, just like the, the worst, the worst virus ever, like just a terrible virus. Um, and so I always say like, in a way, it really feels like if like, Parks and Rec wrote an episode about a pandemic, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, well, also, will you be smoking with us uh, today? You don't have what? to by any oh means. <laughs> you don't have you don't have to. That's kind of the, the the gist of our show. We're called Comics and Chronic and we tend to smoke weed and That's what Chronics is. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, no, oh, I so- definitely would have if I had scheduled this at a different time. No, that's <laughs> totally cool. I don't smoke. I do edibles because I'm like oh worried God, about nice. my lungs. I'm genetically predisposed <laughs> to lung cancer, but I love weed. Like, I love yeah, weed. yeah. I've lost so many brain cells. I feel like in the last year. Yeah, um, oh, you probably like gained a lot of friends. friends so. <laughs> yeah. a lot of, I mean, if friends is another word for weight, yeah. um, <laughs> what I've been doing for the last two months is getting high and watching uh, iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By nice. the way, that show becomes like a hundred times. Like the thing is, when I was a kid, I used to think that that show was fucking hilarious. Like I was like, oh, pinnacle of comedy. I grew up and I watched it. It's a little corny. Like the punchlines, obviously, like it's they just super corny. In, I mean, yeah. they, I they just it. throw in that laugh track anywhere like yeah. carly will be like hey sam what do you have laugh track and sam will be like i have ham laugh track and it's like what's so funny um yeah, but no. then i get high and i watch it and i'm like oh my god this is the pinnacle of comedy like this is the hype this is a comedic masterpiece like no one else understands it but i do like it's like commentary you know on internet culture on youth culture um and i always say that like like shows to me become a lot more profound when i'm high Mm-hmm. Does this happen to you guys? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, first of all, let me ask, do you guys smoke indica or sativa or hybrid? Uh, it depends. Right now I'm smoking sativa. Oh, I mean, I can't do sativa. I can't do hybrid. Like that shit sends me into a loop. I'm very what? much an indica person. Like it I prefer me indica too. Yeah. Sativa, yeah. Just, it's too much energy. I don't want energy when I smoke. I just want to chill. Oh, I want, exactly. I want all the yeah. energy. So have you guys seen the show Emily in Paris? No, no, but I know no, the story I, behind yeah, your infamous for sure. tweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but for those, okay. who, for the listeners that don't know, I would love for you to tell that story because it's fucking hilarious. 
Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. When you're on the internet, you can just say you did anything and everyone will believe you. Like, that's just the gist of the story. Like, I just started going online. Like, when the show came out in October, I was like, hey, I, I created Emily in Paris. And, and like, <laughs> it seems silly to say, but it was it was an inside joke between me and, like, what? I had, like, 90,000 followers at the time. And everyone was like, she didn't create Emily in Paris. But then it blew up when the Golden Globe nominations came out. A lot of people took it at face value. They were like, oh, like, I remember there was a few podcast episodes that people sent me with like famous podcasters I don't remember which ones now but like they were like talking about like current events of the week and then one guy so there was one podcast hosted by three guys just like you actually and and uh one of the guys was like so the creator of Emily in Paris this week came forward and said she created the show as a joke and one of the other hosts was like whoa is that real and he goes yeah she has a hundred thousand followers of course it's real that's not how that works (laughs) and so what I've learned with the internet is you really can just say anything uh and if you have enough followers, people will just believe you. And I think that's that's cool. Uh, fun life hack. Anyway, Emily in Paris, terrible show. Like, <laughs> about it. Just terrible. No redeeming qualities. It's about a girl who's just like insufferable. And like she's the type of she's the type of insufferable that like everyone. So like everyone knows an Emily for sure. Like I watched Emily in Paris and I was like, I know 10 girls like this. Girls who have no redeeming qualities, who are just so annoying and who think that they're the main character of everyone else's life. But there's nothing really special about them like there really is nothing special about Emily what is the show um, about the, it's about Emily in Paris like what, well, what, I does, she, like, what does she do she, explained it. she, she does lived nothing. in Chicago <laughs> like, she lived in Chicago um, she worked in a marketing firm she's supposed to be 22 years old no one fucking believes I already that. hate Lily this Collins, Never, I regret asking yeah <laughs> Lily Collins is like almost 30 right Lily Collins does look really young for her age so I'll give you that but the way that Emily carries herself is not the demeanor of a 22 year old by any means yeah because I feel like 22-year-olds know their place in society. Like, I don't know a lot of 22-year-olds who would just walk around confidently telling people how to live their life. Like, that's a very, like, solidly 27, 28-year-old thing to do. <laughs> anyway, so that's like, annoying girl who, who works at a marketing firm in Chicago and her boss is going to move to Paris to, like, be the the something, like, be in charge of marketing at their at their Paris branch. And then her boss gets pregnant and she's like, I need someone else to go. And instead of choosing, like, an equal or someone that she, a colleague, she chooses like her intern. And so Emily just moves to Paris on a whim and she gets there and she's just insufferably American. Like she (laughs) doesn't, again, like has no redeeming qualities. So here's what I was saying earlier, right? Most people who act like Emily do face consequences. Like I know very (laughs) many Emily's in my life who I just stopped talking to. And it wasn't just me. And it's not even just like, like, it's not even just like a, a bullying thing. Like when someone just like constantly treats you like a side character in their life, it's very exhausting, you know? Mm. And so like me and my best friend. Yeah, Carol, Cody and, and Anthony. Emily in Paris and we were like, we... <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're we not the it, side we characters like... in your life, Jake. That's I'm right, the side yeah. character in your lives. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a side. Here's the important rule of thumb. Everyone's a side character. Mm. But like... <laughs> I mean, like we had so many girls in college who treat us like side characters in their lives and we just stopped being friends with them. Not again, like not to bully them, not to exclude them, but just because that energy becomes exhausting. So here's the thing. When you act like Emily in real life, there are social consequences for sure. Like people stop talking to you. People talk about you behind your back. Like no one invites you to anything. Here's the thing though. Emily acts like she has main character syndrome, but like if in like for Emily unlike for everyone else who has main character syndrome in real life for Emily she actually is the main character of the show so if she faces no consequences for just acting super insufferable Mm. right and so that's not like the point of the show like by the end of the season she's not like a better person not even kind of. You know, and you know why she's more insufferable? Because, uh, like I said, unlike everyone else with main character syndrome, she's actually the main character of the show. So she like they entertain all this nonsense from her. So she's like going around to like these French fashion moguls and being like, you need to be more American. And she's going around to her boss and being like, you're doing things wrong. And like if someone tried that shit in real life, they would get kicked to the curb so fast. But oh, yeah. these these guys are just like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> and they change. And so by the end of the season, she just feels unstoppable, literally. Oh my God. And so the reason I bring this show up is because I watched it sober <laughs> and I was like, this show fucking sucks. There's not a single time that I've laughed out loud. She's annoying. And then I watched it again high and I was like, 
oh my God, this show's fucking genius. <laughs> um, like, and my friends were like, why do you think that? And I was like, it's clearly a satire of this genre of television where dumb white girls just like <laughs> fail their ways upward in life. And <laughs> here's the thing, it wasn't satire. Like it wasn't made with a satirical intention at all. Like everything about the show is so like genuine. But if it were a satire, it'd be a work of genius. And that's the only something I could see when I was high. Like when I was sober, I was like, this show sucks. But when I was high, I was like, oh my God, this is a masterpiece. This is commentary. This show is so bad that it's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Well, are there any shows you guys feel that way about? Like when you watch it sober, you're like, what the fuck is this? But when you watch it high, you're like, oh my God, this is profound. I mean, to bring back Ike Harley, uh, (laughs) so I have a son and um, when my baby mama was pregnant, she was like really into Ike Harley. So just to like make her happy, I watched a ton of Ike Harley with her. Like sober, I was like, what am I doing? But then I'd step out onto the patio and had a joint a couple times and come inside and be like, this show is incredible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God, literally exactly. Yeah. At one point in the pandemic, I started watching the Brady Bunch. What? Where did you get that? Did you stream that? Uh, I streamed it somehow. I, f- I found it somewhere. But- <laughs> I'm not even saying it's incredible, but I don't know. It's just so bad that I kept watching it because it's just like no one's family is like this. No one's family was ever like this. And like it takes place. It was made in the 70s, but it's not like they're reflecting a 70s lifestyle in any real way. Wait, you it takes place I mean? in the seventies. Yeah. I thought it took place in the fifties. Was it a color TV show? It was black and white. Yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah, that's color. what I'm saying. Like, oh yeah. wow. Yeah. What, yeah. Is that the is does that one have a laugh track? Ye- does yeah. it? Yeah, uh, it does. It does. Is it a laugh yeah. track? It or is it a live studio audience? Oh, because there's a difference. They don't say the thing about the live studio audience, so it could be a laugh track. I wonder how they did that in the seventies, though. Yeah, I, I don't have know. No idea. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, the thing with laugh traps that drives me up a fucking wall is like all TV shows use the exact same one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, all the people they recorded are have been like dead. Like for decades. Yeah. So they, so like the, the laugh tracks that they used, and this is what I read. I never like researched or verified or anything, but I've read. Um, the laugh tracks well, we're that just going to put it out there. Yeah, exactly. This is fact now. Uh, just like the fact that I created Emily in Paris. Uh, yeah. No, the laugh tracks that they use evidently are from I Love Lucy. Like the, the laughs were from that mm. studio islands were so like, like, mm. you know, lively and so like genuine that. Um, it just became like standard television practice to use those laughs, which I think is crazy. Um, it's just, it's so insane to me because they're so obviously using the exact same laugh tracks across TV shows to the point where like, I've kind of made stories for some of the the people in the audiences. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking like, about? Like, you guys look confused, but like when they use the exact same laugh tracks, there are a few ones where like someone's super loud or someone like laughs a little bit past whenever everyone else stops and it sounds the exact same in like every show do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah like like those standout laughs yeah i do you have you guys noticed in movies and like this i feel like you guys there's a scream there's always that one kind of scream that people do and it's in every movie it's usually when a guy falls the wilhelm scream the wilhelm scream yeah Yeah, exactly but that's in every movie (laughs) really i didn't know that wait cody how does it sound I can't do it again. Uh, <laughs> time. Do, you, do you know what I'm talking about or no? No, I actually don't. But I've been learning a lot of movie like mechanics that I didn't know. Like, do you guys know what the, what Chekhov's gun is? Yeah. You do? I do not. So it's the principle that if they introduce a gun in the first act of the movie, the gun will go off in the third act of the movie. And then I thought about it and literally every movie where there's a gun in the first act, it has gone off. I don't know about third act. Like, I don't know how second act and third act work. But it goes off somewhere near the second half of the film. And so. Yeah. And I guess it's not always a gun. It's like in like Avengers or something, the cosmic cube. Once you see it in the beginning of the movie, you know, some by the end, someone's got to use it. Oh, I didn't know it doesn't really? apply to guns. That's so cool. Oh, that's, that's so cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, it applies to any you, kind of object that mean. they do like the same a thing with. of sorts. Yeah, maybe? and it doesn't even always have to be a weapon. It could just be something that has An action. Item of change. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's cool. cool. I would almost say that like, like Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino does the ex- exact opposite. In the beginning, the gun goes off. Yeah, that dude's head off, and then it ends <laughs> with them walking out the diner. 
Oh man! And then they also they also have a MacGuffin in Pulp Fiction, which is the suitcase, which is nothing. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't go off. You, they just open it. It's just they the never light. See what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never watched Pulp Fiction. What? Whoa. That's, That's crazy. I tried to watch it in high school because every like boy that I knew was obsessed with it, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was probably. like trying to get digged down, you know. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> like I tried, I tried watching it. I just like could not. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Maybe I'll revisit it as an adult. No, that, I mean, oh, it's that a great sense. movie. It is great. No, but we can't tell her to watch it because oh, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, gonna keep. Occurring well, so here's one thing, like. <laughs> One movie that everyone was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen was Kill Bill. And I remember watching it and being like, why? <laughs> you know, like, why is this the best movie I've ever seen? But it might be one of those things. Like, I watched a lot of movies in high school that I don't think I had the capacity to appreciate at the time. Like, um, I watched Don John just because I was like really horny for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I watched it. <laughs> and um, I like it. It won a couple of awards, but it was just about. Have you guys seen Don John? I, I totally know forgot about, about that movie, With but Scarlett I know Scarlett Johansson plays yeah. his girlfriend. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. He's like yeah, this Italian from Manhattan, Staten Island or some shit. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, and yeah, he's like, yeah. He has the accent and everything. Yeah, yeah. and he's like addicted to porn and it like ruins his yeah. relationships. And like, I just thought it was very anticlimactic. But looking back on it as an adult, like what I didn't notice is that they were making commentary not only on porn addiction, but also on Scarlett Johansson's like obsession with rom-coms and how that ruins relationships for her in the same way that his obsession with porn ruins sex mm, for him. And, interesting. And um, That's crazy. there are just so many movies like that, like. Yeah, like I didn't really like Atonement is another one of them. Have you guys seen Atonement? I've no. seen Atonement. No. I love uh, sad movies. Yeah, so I'm not going to spoil <laughs> the ending for you. There is a twist ending, but I watched it again. Horny for Benedict. I was a very horny teenager. If this is yeah. <laughs> after like seeing him in Sherlock, and I decided to watch like every single thing he was ever in. And Atonement is the story of a girl who falsely accuses a man of of sexual assault, like a little little girl. She's like six or seven, and so the story follows this man and his girlfriend like as they kind of go on through life with this accusation hanging over both of them is that with philip um, seymour hoffman as a kid i was like no, no. i don't know oh, maybe i think it was something else. i don't know I don't so. is kieran james it's james mcavoy for sure and then i don't remember the, uh, the woman in it she's famous it might be kira knightley um, I don't think so, but James yeah, you're McAvoy, thinking of the master. I think James. no, no, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but Sorry. um, as like I watched it as a 14 year old, I was like, this isn't a good movie at all. But then like I revisited, like I just re remembered the plot of it like a couple years ago, and I was like, damn, that was really profound, and I just like didn't have the capacity to understand it. I feel like I'm that way with a lot of movies. Like I feel like I watch a lot of stupid movies, and then I force myself to watch like the movies that everyone. Is like, oh, that's the best movie ever. And then you kind of get like a movie literacy. So you start to, you know, appreciate even the stupider movies for being like, oh, okay, you got it wrong. That's how I know you're a bad movie. But I know how it's supposed to be. So yeah, I guess I yeah, kinda, exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, no, I literally, yeah. Um, it's same with TV shows. Like I watched a lot when I was obsessed, uh, like in high school. I was really obsessed with TV shows in high school. Um, and I rewatched a few of them. Like I watched... How I Met Your Mother. That was my favorite show in high school. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. I liked How I Met Your Mother. Yuck. I liked, liked is is it's the important for me. because because I rewatched it as an adult and I was like, this show fucking sucks. Like, uh, yeah, it does. well, like Barney is uh, like I feel like could be like indicted on some like oh, felony, sure. you know, for like because like he has that like fucking the playbook. Do you guys remember the playbook? Yeah, it's just a handbook on how to like like drug women how to trick them into sleeping with you like all this nonsense yeah. and ted yeah. was just creepy he was a stalker like every woman he met he was yeah. like she's the one and i'm gonna treat her as such i'm gonna follow her around i'm gonna obsess over her whatever and then like and then the other three friends robin lily and marshall were in my opinion just as guilty as they were because they like ted and barney were pulling all this trick shit and they just kind of sat around and were like haha cute <laughs> yeah. you know um and like i remember like marshall if you guys remember ends up becoming like a, a federal judge like on the new york federal whatever right oh yeah that's mm -hmm. like his dream job or that's something. his dream job and he gets it um but marshall like 
in like season four or five admits that he's read the entire playbook cover to cover. And I was like, so what exactly is your judgment here? If you knew of all of the illegal things that Barney was doing and you're still being put on like the New York federal court, you know, the way I see how I met your mother, it's like kind of like always sunny, like always sunny. They're all terrible people and they know they're terrible people or maybe they don't, but that's the joke, right? They're terrible people who do terrible things, but how I met your mother, they're not, you know, that layer is gone. They're not exactly, acting like they're, you know, exactly. So I actually did uh, try to get into it took me a while to get into It's Always Sunny because I watched it I, when I was like, what? Uh, like it was in 2017. Right. And so I was pretty young then. And, and uh, uh, my boyfriend at the time, it was his favorite show. And I tried watching it and I was just like, this show is so problematic. Like, you know, he says the <laughs> N word. It's like transphobic at first in the first few episodes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. The yeah. one episode that I rewatch all the time that like still fucking kills me is the abortion one <laughs> when he like gets the pro life or yeah. pregnant. And he was like, oh, no, you need an abortion. But anyway, like I remember the first few times I watched it, I was like, this is problematic. But then I talked to more people about it and they were like, no, like that's the point. So like How I Met Your yeah, Mother exactly. doesn't hold up and Friends doesn't hold up because they're all bad people but like friends was terrible i hate that yeah, really bad we are not friends the most really overrated bad. show of all time literally and like i was just gonna say why watch friends when you could watch living singles Le- i was just gonna say living singles so good <laughs> i watched that one i was like that was way better yeah um yeah. but anyway so like fr- the people in friends and the people in how i met your mother they're bad people but they're portrayed as good people and so that's what makes them problematic right. but like you know a lot of like uh like detractors like people who are like anti-woke or whatever like oh no the like pc mob is gonna come for you know uh it's always sunny in philadelphia but that's never happened because um even though at first they were supposed to be protagonists, like you can really tell early on the show, they're like written as protagonists. Like I read a really interesting right. BuzzFeed article by one of my favorite art uh, journalists. Her name is Scotchy. She's an Indian journalist at BuzzFeed. And she was talking about how like the show kind of aged with the times and you can tell like as they kind mm-hmm. of went mm-hmm. on and as time passed, they realized that like there are these social issues that th- they would be better portraying Um from an antagonistic sense instead of from a protagonistic sense. And so that's the reason that like even the most like, you know, like le- like leftist, most progressive, like most like, you know, PC person, you know, will probably love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And like, yeah, as is the case with all the shows, they've dropped the ball a few times. But like the important thing here is the messaging and the tone. And like if you if you make clear yeah. that it's satire, then everyone knows that it's satire and they'll function as such. Um, and so, yeah. And they're extremely self-aware. That's what like makes it funny too. Like you know that they're not like punching down or anything like that. They're like you know they're they know why it's funny, even if it's like uncomfortable or something that I don't know. Always sunny. Just well, those are like, like the Americans that are like confidently stupid and so ignorant in their own beliefs that they don't see themselves as like the flaw in society. Right. And that's how like yeah. that whole cast, those characters act in life, and that's like yeah. And those and those characters so in real satire. life. Yeah, and those characters in real life are just so, like, insanely, like, I mean, like, woke is a corny term to use, but they're just so, like, well spoken on these, like, you would watch the show and you'd be like, oh, the people in the show are probably assholes, but then you hear them talk and you're like, wow, that's amazing. Like, Glenn Howerton is a personal favorite of mine. Like, I just really look up to him. He was almost Star-Lord. Did you guys know this? Oh, I read that recently. Yeah, well, the problem is, here's the problem is... Like, so when, when did, uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out? Like 2013, right? At the time, Chris Pratt was at the height of his stardom. No one knew he was a Republican. So like what these, mm-hmm. like what Marvel did essentially, <laughs> they just like plucked him from Parks and Rec and they were like, everyone loves him. He's lovable. Yeah, right. And he was lovable. He like pulled that off for a, a while. And then someone noticed that he follows like Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. And I think that's when the rabbit hole started uh, of like, he yeah. would just make these like passive comments about politics, never really took a stand. And then one day someone was like, yo, this man is a Republican. And like, he just never denied it, you know? And then like someone apparently, uh, and then there was a news article that was like, Sorry, this is like the third episode where we've brought this up about Chris Pratt. Really? That's so funny. So like maybe we should uh, petition to have Marvel remake Guardians of the Galaxy because they they did it with Spider-Man. Yeah, they did it with Spider-Man. So like, let's just pretend. 
right? Chris Pratt never okay. happened. Let's like digitally alter it. <laughs> because like thinking of it and like thinking of It's Always Sunny and like thinking of AP Bio, which I did see only one episode of, Glenn Howerton would have killed that shit. Ooh, that's like, a great show too. He yeah, really would have killed that shit. And I don't know why we gave it to Chris Pratt instead. Anyway. It's possible he could be Adam Warlock. Yeah. Who's Adam Warlock? So he, like in Always Sunny, he always calls himself a golden god. And that's basically what Adam Warlock is. Like he's this like Ooh, good artificial man who's the perfect Ooh. man. And he's, and he's and gold. He's, like, he's literally gold. Yeah, he's go- literally gold with like long hair. And I feel like if James Gunn is going to do that character, you can't do it seriously. It's got to be tongue in cheek like or else it's going to be very corny. Well, no, not no, because he's not like a funny character. He's just a way too oh, serious yeah. character. Oh, my God. Glenn Howard would kill you know what something I mean? like that. Yeah. Exactly. Do you think that he's going to bring yep. him into the movies? I hope so. I want to see him. I would listen. Everyone's joking about this, but I think Glenn Har- Howerton could play a great um, Reed. Richards, I thought you were going to say Mr. That. Fantastic. Mr. Isn't there already a Mr. Fantastic? <laughs> no, not, not since the old this version. Yeah. yeah. There's been like in older iterations, but none of them stuck. Yeah. Yeah. My dream actually is to write a Marvel movie starring an Indian character. You know, there's a lot of, did you guys know there's a lot of Asian characters in Marvel? Um, Just none of them got movies. So like, uh, what is Dr. X's school called? Like Dr. X's school for... Professor X, Professor, Professor X, for X, gifted youngsters, for gifted, for gifted children. Children. yeah. So um, there's an equivalent yeah. of that in Mumbai. Mumbai is not the capital of India. I almost said that. Oh my god, I would have gotten disowned by Indians. <laughs> Mumbai is like I don't know. How can I describe Mumbai? Mumbai is like the biggest city. Like it's the the most poppin' city. Like I guess it'd, it'd be the equivalent of like New York City um, in America. Which nod to you guys, but like kind of like the city that like everyone romanticizes, everyone wants to go to, like um, just like the most fun like young people city. Um, so there's one and it's also known as Bombay. You've probably heard of it as Bombay as well. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so there's a school there in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Earth 616, which is where um, most all and maybe except for Spider-Verse, like all of these movies take place in Earth 616 um, is yeah. uh, the Pan-Asian school for the unusually gifted. So hmm. it's literally just Dr. X's school, except for Asian kids. So like kind of how everyone in the North American region who's born with like the X-Men gene or whatever uh, goes to Dr. X's school, like everyone in Asia who's born with the the um, unusual gene. I don't think it's the X gene, like it's something else goes to this Pan-Asian school. And it's just like a school of like really cool, like Singaporean, Indian, Chinese, Japanese, like superheroes. And I just like nice. really want to make a movie about that, you know, like it's such Oh, so you're talking about the um, Agents of Atlas, like that new team? Is that what is it's that called? Where, where, where all this is? I think so. Like, if we're talking about Greg Pak and like, it's like a new team. Like, they, they like, it's it's all those like Asian Marvel superheroes, right? Is oh, that the, um, I know that Simu Liu is about to be in one. I forget the name of the of the character. Oh, Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah, yeah Shang Chi. I don't think that that I don't think that that particular character is uh was affiliated with the Pan Asian School of the Unusually Gifted. I. Uh, there were a lot of Indian people there for sure. I didn't see Agents of Atlas. Like when I was reading about these things online, I didn't see Agents of Atlas anywhere. Is uh, that a newer thing or is that like from, because yeah, these are from the comic books new. in like the early 2000s. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, that's my dream. I just feel like, like I'm a huge Marvel fan. I'm also a huge DC fan. Hey, um, I used to be, I yeah, I used to be a bigger DC fan than Marvel fan, but DC got really corny, like really quick. Um, did you guys watch the Snyder Cut? Of course yeah, we Yeah, we watched the, yeah. Okay, and you're also all comedians. So like, what what's his name? Was it The Flash? Uh, yeah, that guy, The Flash. Yeah, his, Ezra Miller. His dialogue was so contrived. Like, yeah. I was like, this guy is oh, not Ezra funny Miller. at all. Like, you guys really could have just doled out like what? Like a $100,000, $200,000 maybe for like a comedy writer to come on and like give him actually good like dialogue but you can just tell it was written by someone who like is not affiliated with comedy at all just things he thinks are funny and i heard that batman versus superman was also pretty bad i didn't watch it but i heard that yeah. it was bad i liked man of steel i know man steel oh, got yeah it. i love so man good. of steel yeah we liked yeah. it yeah. wonder woman 1984 sucks oh it was terrible so bad. Yep. we hated it we, we did a whole episode on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard that aquaman was good i haven't watched it yet um and my boyfriend loves that one movie that I also haven't gotten a chance to watch about the kid who can turn into, or the adult, the Shazam. kid who can turn into an adult. Oh, Shazam. Shazam. I like Shazam. Yeah, he said that one was yeah. really good. Wait, so I, yeah. I have a question. Who would you, if you were going to write for a comic book character, like who would you ideally, whether it be like, because I know you just said you'd like to do the school for film. So what if you were to write your own comic? Which character would oh, you choose? Oh, my own comic. Who would you add your comedic voice to, I guess? 
Oh, okay, okay. So you're saying an existing character or one that I would invent? Oh, you could answer both. Either. I'm happy to hear either. both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Um, so existing character, I haven't thought about like one I would in- invent by any means, but the existing characters, I have two in mind. So one's name is Rena Patel. She goes by Time Slip. She has pretty much the exact same abilities as Doctor Strange. Um, the reason slip. I really resonate with her, yeah. The reason I really resonate with her is because I like read about her when I was a sophomore in college and she was a sophomore in college when she found discovered her powers. And so she um, actually like this is canon. She was discovered by um, someone in Asia who is like high up with the Avengers. And so she had help from the Avengers, like getting trained and like getting her costume made and stuff, nice. um, which I thought was really cool. And it'd be, I thought it would be, if I were to write a movie about that, it'd be a cool way to like tie it into the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I really like is Dinesh Thiol and he's known as Grid. Um, so he's an Indian engineer who like during like a terraform acid rain, like mist or whatever, like magically combines with his computer. And so he Damn. just has the ability <laughs> to yeah like plug into any grid kind of like cyborg and yeah. that's his name right yeah, cyborg, uh, cyborg yeah. yeah he can like plug into any computer and like he can like you know cause a, a power outage for like a 10 mile radius and i love oh he's an inhuman he's an inhuman well i don't know like he's he like he was born brought up human and then he just like combines with the computer he's not a cyborg by any means he just like wakes up with this ability to like talk to communicate and control computers yeah like you know how cyborg is half computer half robot half human yeah. that's not the name steal at all he just like yeah like wakes up one day with these abilities after like a terraform mist um and that one is so funny to me as someone who like actively fights indian stereotypes and i think it's really corny that they're all portrayed as like nerdy engineers that one is so funny to me because if you're gonna like if you're gonna portray indian people as like a nerdy engineer stereotype then make it fucking cool that's fucking cool you know what i'm saying like he's an engineer who just woke up one day like like being able to literally engineer like whatever the fuck he wants and so i really like that um i've always seen yeah i'm looking him up right now and they're they're saying his powers are called magnetic Magnetokinesis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And so those are the two characters I think that I would uh, I would um, want to write for. If it comes to inventing a character, I think I would want to go like the time slip uh, kind of route, which is like a college girl who's just like leading a normal life and then all of a sudden discovers she has powers because I really like that concept. Mm. Um, I think time slips powers could be better. Like she can push herself forward in time and backwards in time, kind of like Dr. Strange. Um, but I really don't think there's much you can do with those powers. If I'm being honest, like, correct me if you guys think I'm wrong, but like, if you're fighting a villain, you can't really do anything with like forward ability and backward ability, you know, um, when it comes to time. I don't know. You don't think so? Like how far ahead can she slip? Yeah, She can slip any amount. Oh man, I feel like that's oh, pretty so useful. That would, she could just, just slip. Like, like, yeah, like I guess, like I guess she could. Get, she can go in the ba- past and like kill the villain. Has anyone with yeah. time traveling abilities ever done that? Though I feel like Doctor Strange has some like moral issue about. They it. They all have moral conundrums. Me, I would never have that issue. <laughs> I would go back in time you and know, kill baby uh, Hitler. I mean, isn't that like the plot of every Terminator movie? Like, oh, yeah, oh my god, yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, literally. Abby, you should oh rewrite god. Emily in Paris, but like the mutant version. The mutant yeah. version? Um, yeah. Oh man. A joke. You know, I was actually hoping for a while I could bully them into hiring me as a writer. Like, like this girl has a lot to say. Might as well bring her on board. That would be an awkward writer's room. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. So here's the thing is uh, I like at first when I started doing this and I started getting traction, I like reached out to my manager. I was like, so my career is over, right? Like Darren Starr, the guy who created Emily in Paris, he also created for sure Sex in the City. I believe also 90210, which are two like very well, iconic, nice. like uh, early 2000s shows. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, it's over. Like I was like, it's over. He's powerful. He like hates me for sure. Um, but then a whole bunch of people who've worked with him on other projects reached out to me and they were like, no, he sucks. Like for sure. <laughs> like you should keep going doing this. Like he's abusive. Yeah. He's like known to yell at people. Like he does not treat women well at all. Like his ideas are terrible and he only gets them places because he's like Darren star, like, you know, with, with the asterisks and stuff. And I was like, so maybe my career isn't over. Like it, it's the thing is like when you attack someone who's powerful, 
it either goes the way it usually goes, which is that your career is over, like goodbye, like pursue something else, or it goes the 1% of the way it happened to go for me where it kind of expands your career opportunities. Like everyone's kind of like, like I know a few people reached out to me being like, yeah, we know Darren sucks. If you want to work on anything, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Yo, cool. Yeah. Um, and it was just so fun, like so funny. But um, I, my name is still on the Wikipedia, actually. <laughs> I know. As, as Go on the Emily in Paris the Wikipedia show. page. That's awesome. Yes. That's so like it was a fight between like one person and like uh, some like veteran editor, right? They like the veteran editor kept taking my name off and this one person kept going in and, and adding it. And then um, like a couple weeks ago, I noticed <laughs> that my name was officially on and needed to not removed <laughs> for five days. And so I tweeted about it and I was like, hey, shout out to whoever keeps adding my name. I, like we're officially on the Emily in Paris page. And then like two minutes after I tweeted that, um, one of like another veteran editor, because you can you if you like edit enough, you like get that badge or whatever. Nice. Went in, took my name out of the the general bio, right? And then he locked the page. Oh. Like he locked the page. He was like page lock for 30 <laughs> days, prone to vandalism, is what they called it, because they kept adding my name. Uh, However, he did forget to take my name out of the sidebar. So if you go to Emily, yeah, that, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah terrible show terrible terrible show and like uh, yeah i should rewrite emily in paris i was actually just thinking yesterday of writing an emily in paris spec script because Ooh, they man. like a, comedy writers really love like outrageous spec scripts like there was one called like uh the gang gets aids for uh for <laughs> it's always sunny in philadelphia that got them that got them a the people who wrote it a production assistant job um there's what, one really? called. I yeah, wrote an not, always sunny spec script called "The Gang Makes a Porno." Yeah. I need a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like the the really the thing about the spec script. So, sun, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is actually one of the tougher ones to write outrageous spec scripts for because the one the only spec scripts really that people like to read anymore. And this is just what was related to me. So, if this is false, I'm sorry, but like this is related <laughs> to me by multiple people. Is that no one really reads spec scripts anymore unless they're outrageous? And so, like for example, like something that would never happen in the show but if it did happen in the show like you understand the characters so well that you capture their voices and someone reading it would be like whoa if this happened in the show this is exactly how everyone would react right so um the gang gets aids was a, a popular <laughs> one that got the and then there was one for friends called the one where they all get aids um, <laughs> yeah. that one, it's just aids yeah. it's, it's secret, just a lot of aids <laughs> yeah and that one got him uh the writer a job on family God, or Simpsons, I want to say. And then there was one called Seinfeld 9-11, where it was like... Oh, I've heard of that one, yeah. And that one got the writer a job on Family Guy. And so um, I was thinking of writing like a really, really crazy Emily in Paris spec script. Like, you should do Emily in Paris. Yeah, Emily yeah. in Paris like gets abducted by aliens and she starts like acting uh, like she's better than yeah. them. Like she goes up and she's like, actually, like if you had a Twitter presence, like maybe your your subjects would like you better. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that. I mean, like... If you guys, 9/11. That, that one was really good. <laughs> My so have is you, going off. That's hilarious. Who, uh, Jake, were you the one that's saying that you had read that? I no, no, I, no, I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Okay, so I don't remember the specific storylines, but one that really stuck with me is like, so it's 9-11 happens, right? And then they all do fucked up shit about it. And so I've only watched a few episodes of Seinfeld, so I don't actually understand. Uh, I don't understand the characters as well, but the one that stuck with me is Al Elena, Elaine, Elena? Elaine, yeah. Elaine, she uh, is dating a guy who she fucking hates. Like she can't stand him, right? She breaks up with him on September 10th. And then on, September okay, 11th, on September 11th, he dies in 9-11, and then she uses that to elicit sympathy from everyone. Oh, like, that's actually like, oh pretty God. funny, and yeah, that's, that's totally lame. on character. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, like, you so you will hear that's that, good. and you're like, that would never happen in the show. But if it did happen in the show, that's exactly what she would do. And, like, everyone I talked to about that, they were like, oh, that's exactly what she would do. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what outrageous spec scripts are. So, like, I actually, speaking of How I Met Your Mother, I, read a, I wrote a spec script about, like, Barney getting me too'd and Ted getting arrested for stalking. Oh, and it was just Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah, thank you. No, it was just so much fun to write because like I really feel like I do have the characters' voices down well after being obsessed with that show for like a lot of my adolescent life. Nice. And it was just fun to like poke fun at it. And I feel like I would have fun doing a similar thing with Emily in Paris. I mean, like what I was gonna say is if you guys really like getting high and watching bad shows, like Emily in Paris is so fun to watch while <laughs> Because like after everything that happens, you're like, did that really just happen? Like, oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> like iCarly becomes funnier when you're high, right? Like Emily yeah. in Paris just becomes more of a travesty when you're high. <laughs> <laughs> because you're like, either this is a satire and it's genius or it's genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a train wreck. <laughs> like, which one is it? I'm really, like, I'm rooting for one or the other, you know, so. Well, you're saying that a dude from, uh, dude who made sex in the city, it totally makes sense. I, that was my big COVID watch was sex in the city. Sex in the well, city. is that a good show? I uh, get so no, many mixed I mean, reviews. Okay. So like, it's good in the sense that like sex in the city, it was like fine. I mean, it's terrible in the sense for so many reasons, but like the biggest <laughs> glaring one is it's supposed to like capture dating in New York city. And it's like, only white people. That's exactly what I was going to say about Emily in Paris. And now it makes sense that both of them are... Because Emily, like, <laughs> she fucks, like, 30 guys or something crazy. Which, live your best life, girl. I'm not judging you. Not a single one of them is non-white, though. And she really... Like, they really stretch for some of these. Like, at one point, she's sleeping with, like like a 45 year old, right? Like a guy who's just like very, very like um, not attractive at all. Like he has a couple of kids, it's made clear, but she really treats him like this like sex icon. And I was like, what? Like you're trying so hard. Like there's so many 45 year old, like maybe like immigrants that you could have brought in on this. Like there's a couple of young guys she meets on Tinder on the street that are just not attractive. Like they're just portrayed as attractive because they have the French accent. But you know, like I, as someone who's been on dating apps in Paris, like I can guarantee that like there's so many attractive like men of color in Paris and I was like it really would not have killed you like for example there's a lot of <laughs> Haitian men because like uh I I may be a little bit off about this but I, I think that if you're a citizen of Haiti you also get priority citizenship into into France or something is how it's explained to me when I was there and so That's there's a sick. huge Haitian community there there's a huge Muslim community there um just like Im like the normal immigration stories. Um, there's a huge East Asian population there from when I was there. What I could tell is that a lot of them were either studying abroad or, or they like came to college abroad. Um, there was a lot of Indian men there too, for the same reason. Like they grew up in India and they like wanted to go to France for college, you know, or like they were doing a semester in France or whatever. Like it really, like you really have to go out of your way to avoid people of color in Paris. And mm -hmm. so in a sense, Emily's kind of impressive for doing that. Like it really, she did. Like she really did treat it like a relay race, you know. That's her um, superpower. That was that's her superpower. That was my yeah. beef with uh, fucking girls on HBO, Lena Dunham's Girls. There's it's a show that takes place in New York City in Brooklyn, and there's like no characters of color of note. Yeah, and that happens actually. Never now mind that the fact that Lena Dunham is a low-key scumbag that people don't like to acknowledge. Yeah, it's in every, even in How I Met Your Mother. In like, How I Met Your Ted, Mother, you know. It's yeah, but what I mean power. is like, Girls is billed as a very progressive show, but only has a cast of white women. In, well, in, I actually in one of the most diverse cities in the world. Right, but that's the thing with Friends and How I Met Your Mother too. I mean, they're not trying to be progressive, but they are. They are. Girls is City funny. Don't get me wrong. There's people. nothing wrong. I heard with Girls them. is good. Girls yeah. is funny. Like a lot of people. I just know a lot of people. Like I don't really have an opinion on Lena Dunham either way, but I know a lot of people who don't like her will be like, "Oh, I'm upset at how good this show is," and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I think you just like Lena Dunham. Like you're allowed to. <laughs> you're allowed to like people. You know." I don't. She um, had a book tour, and she didn't pay uh, artists and performers to be on it, and she said that like the exposure was enough payment for them. To uh, uh, Dude, there's like legitimate beast with Lena Dunham. Don't don't get it twisted. Like, oh no no no, it's yeah, the same yeah. way with Chris Pratt. It's the same way with Chris Pratt. Like, yeah, Lena Dunham's cool. Also, but, like know. her parents, I I think like a lot of, a large part of the frustration. They're New York Hollywood. Her, They're like New York. Yeah, is her parents are like very wealthy, and so she yeah. sold girls yeah. off of like a two or three page, or and it turned out being a good show. So like it was a good investment on HBO's part for sure. But like imagine if they had that same faith in like other twenty three year old creators, you know, yeah. like namely like creators of color, like Michaela yeah. Cole, for example. Uh, she was like killing the game. She made chewing gum at, at a very young I love age. I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily twenty three, but. I feel like if someone had given Michaela Cole that type of opportunity very early on, like, and Michaela Cole's doing very well for herself. So just imagine if someone had given her the opportunities that were afforded to like Lena Dunham, Lena Dunham. or like Darren Star, even like people just like people just handed this man a show because he's Darren Star, you know, it's just crazy. So you know what's the craziest to me about this Emily in Paris thing is that um, it's just crazy to me that like the cast probably knows who I am, right? Like, that's a, that's a, like, a safe assumption. Do you think they're um, like, ah, oh, Abby! <laughs> <laughs> probably. I mean, like, it, it makes sense. Well, like, the thing is, it's just crazy to me because, like, I mean, like, I um, am a stand-up comedian. I mean, like, I know you guys know how it is. And, like, you kind of... Uh, 
in in being on the internet and in touring and stuff like you get into the proximity of like famous people but I think that it's safe to say that like most stand-up comedians have never met Beyonce right there's like tiers of fame yeah 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 yeah. like I could name a cool like famous stand-up comedians that I've hung out with but I don't I haven't met anyone for example who's like been the star of a movie actually I don't even know if that's true well like you got what I'm saying (laughs) so like I like in my entire life I never expected to be in like Lily Collins like conscious you know I've I've been a fan of her I mean like Emily Paris was corny as fuck but like she caught that check and I got to respect her for it Uh, but I've been a fan of her since I was little and like if you told me at age like 10 like hey you're gonna beef with you're gonna the creator of a show (laughs) that Lily Collins stars in I would probably have a panic attack and that's the thing also is like when I first started like when I first started gaining prominence on social media like you know I would get like shady con- like I remember Chris D'Elia, like quote tweeted me once saying like, some really mean thing and I cried this was early 2019 I cried I was like my career is over like this is uh, it I'm never gonna do anything of note um now whenever this shit happens I just find it fucking hilarious like <laughs> like when uh like when someone was like someone told me that Darren Star knew like they were like oh and he's very not happy like if someone had told me that two years ago I would have cried I would have been like my career is over but when they told me that a couple months ago I could not stop laughing I was like that's so fucking funny dude um and I think that that's so what you're saying is we should piss someone famous someone famous off get their attention yeah for sure (laughs) Chris Pratt here we come here's yeah Here's the more easier thing to do. Just say you did something and, and p- yeah. enough people will believe it if you say it with enough conviction. Like the Emily in Paris thing, um, I was getting like a lot of close friends were messaging me and they were like, wait, did I miss something? Were you actually a part of Emily in Paris? And I was wait, like, wait, sorry, was it just a tweet or did you write an article? Sorry, I don't know the, the no. Entire so story. so it's it was like it was literally like ten or twelve tweets where I mean, it was more than that objectively, but the series of tweets that picked up were like ten or twelve in February, and so I got a press inquiry from um or like a whole bunch of not a whole bunch of like three um journalists <laughs> like cited me as the creator of Emily in Paris, and like I got a press inquiry from BBC, which I think is like nice. what really <laughs> like sold it. That's is, awesome. is someone from, yeah, someone from BBC was like, and I wanted to bore at it so. Like, when I tell you, know you how prestigious you look so if BBC bad. reaches out for a press inquiry, and know, all you did was lie. All I did was lie through my teeth. No, I wanted to. I wanted to bore at it so bad. So, I was on the phone oh with my God. manager. I was like, please, 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 please let me take this interview. And she was like, no. But see, the thing is, like on online, you're like protected under parody law. But when you like go to a publication and you claim that it's yours, then they can sue you. Oh, and I kind of wanted to get sued i was like, like <laughs> yeah it ups every time sasha baron cohen gets sued everyone's like that man's a genius you yeah, know yeah. like he bothered people so much that they're trying to get him to pay for it you know yeah. and i was like i feel like that would really like up my credibility and she was like yeah but where are you gonna get the money to pay out that lawsuit yeah like, if warner brothers comes at you you can't pull like- trick shit yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not allowed to pull trick shit until you have the money to pay for it yeah. is what i'm yeah. hearing <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that is really what I want to do with my life in the long term. Just like satire, toying with reality. Like I always say, my three biggest comedic inspirations are Sasha Baron Cohen, Nathan Fielder, and Eric Andre. Um, yeah, in that vein, also like Chelsea Handler, I really admire. Yeah, um, Sarah Silver. Am I saying oh, Sarah Silverman? I was missing yeah. yeah. Sarah Silver or something. Sarah Silverman. Um, who uh, also did a lot of good work with um, I Love You America. You know, Sam Sam B has a lot of correspondents who go out into the field and do these kinds of things. Jordan Klepper, like all these people who just like go out in real life and you can just see them toy. Yeah, Jordan Klepper is so funny. Like, I remember one of my favorite bits is is like when there was this conspiracy back in 2016 that uh, Hillary Clinton had a body double. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, I've never heard that. <laughs> and one so, in particular. so yeah, there was a conspiracy that Hillary Clinton had a body double because she had pneumonia <laughs> um, for like a couple of weeks, but she was still like on the you know press store or whatever. So a whole bunch of like Trumpers were like. Oh yeah, body double. And everyone was like, yes, yes, makes sense. So what Jordan (laughs) Klepper did, which I thought was fucking hilarious, like it was so funny, so genius. He uh, printed out two identical pictures of Hillary Clinton and he Mm -hmm. showed them to these people at the Trump rally. And he was like, can you tell me which one's the body double? (laughs) And they would just act like it was so obvious. They'd be like, oh, obviously this one, like this one looks older. Like the the tie is a little bit different. And like just things like that, just watching like, 
And, you know, we'd all like to think, I mean, like no credit given to to right wingers, obviously, but in the sense, like, for example, like Nathan Fielder and Eric Andre and even Sasha Baron Cohen to some extent do mess with like very regular people. Right. Yeah. And we'd all like yeah. to think that if we were in their situation, we would be honest. Like, you know, if, if Eric Andre mm. is like asking us to lie, like, you know, if if like. For example, in like Bad Trip, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Tiffany Haddish, who plays the criminal sister, is looking for Eric Andre, and and the the crowd of like real people just saw Eric Andre and Lil Rel like yeah. run the other way I mean, at the and restaurant, Tiffany- right? Yeah, yeah, at the restaurant. And then I Tiffany remember. Haddish comes in and she's like, have you guys seen this man? And we would all like to think like, oh, we wouldn't snitch, right? But Everybody Tiffany snitched. Haddish, <laughs> yeah, everyone immediately <laughs> snitched. And just stuff like that, right? Like uh, like Nathan Fielder like pretty regularly gets people to lie on camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I really like the humanity of that. Like I really, really enjoy that, like, you know, faced with a like in your, in your face, con- like, uh, situation like what would most people do and like another really good segment um that jimmy kimmel does is called lie witness news where yeah. they just go up to people on the street and like say like did you hear beyonce fell off the tower and everyone like <laughs> pretty much always agrees um and it doesn't even necessarily mean that they're lying because like implanting false memories is a thing like if if Ooh, you hear something inception. like that yeah if you hear something like <laughs> that then like your brain maybe even thinks like, oh yeah, I definitely heard of that. Like who wouldn't have heard it? Like you hear like, oh, Beyonce fell off a tower and got into an accident. Like like you would be like, oh, there's no way I didn't hear about that. So yes, I definitely heard about that, you know? And I, yeah. I just love this this idea of like toying with reality and like getting people to be their most human selves and like finding comedy. Yeah, I think Nathan Fielder does that the best out of everyone you mentioned. I agree. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite. I think Sasha Baron Cohen and... I think they all do it well in like really different aspects. Of course, yeah. The thing about Sasha Baron Cohen is he usually, with a few notable exceptions, he's usually doing it to people who deserve it. Like I remember yeah. I read an article um, where Eric Andre uh, was like, oh, I showed Bad Trip, which is his latest movie to Sasha Baron Cohen. And Sasha Baron Cohen was like, dude, I make fun of shitty rich oligarchs. Like you're just, you just do it to anyone, you know? <laughs> and so <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen, I like... I feel okay watching because he's very big on like dismantling power structures. Nathan Fielder and Eric Andre, like everyone's fair game to them, which I, I like love. Uh, yeah. Another yeah. person who's up and coming on this like satire scene um, is, and I wouldn't even say up and coming because he has his own HBO show is uh, how to with John Wilson. That one's like, Oh yeah. That one's like what I say. <laughs> it's like a lower stakes version of Nathan for you. Like, he yeah, exactly. like John Wilson for sure gets people to like embarrass themselves on camera and like do crazy shit. But it's you don't feel like as on the edge of your seat about it as you are watching like Eric Andre, like Nathan for you, bore out, whatever. Um, it's just like a very adorable, very cute show. Wait, did you see the episode where he like is on spring break with that guy and that guy just gives him his life story? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like John Wilson is very like cute in the sense of like he prioritizes finding the humanity in people and, and, uh, exactly, and finding yeah. the comedy in that. Um, like he has a whole like the whole finale was about his like landlady who he really adores. Oh, and yeah. like uh, one of my favorite episodes is the referee one and like the yeah. uh, covering your furniture one it's just like I really love this idea of finding comedy in the mundane like in just like everyday situations that happen totally yeah and that's really what I want to do with my life like satire reality comedy what have you like just being able to go up to people and getting them to say ridiculous shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah Punching down only, of course. Nice. Are you, uh, like, now that the places are opening up and stuff, are you going to be doing any stand-up anytime soon? Um, I was thinking about it. So I'm fully vaccinated. Um, I read recently that it was legal to ask people for proof of vaccination. And so I was thinking, um, now that, like, the vaccine is open, appointment free to like everyone in the country maybe to wait like a month or so but i will be in chicago all of july and so i was thinking of reaching out to some venues there and asking if they would let me do a set there i have not performed in person since february of 2020 so it's going to be a rough set i feel like everyone that i talk to has to know that like i'm going to be like i'm not going to be good but (laughs) on the flip side like pretty much no one else is going to be either so (laughs) you know um but yeah Yeah. i'm like i'm very much interested in transitioning back i just want to get to a point where i don't have to ask for proof of vaccination you know um like here in houston especially because it's a liberal city um I feel like if I hosted a show, I wouldn't have to ask for proof of vaccination because everyone in Houston who wanted to get vaccinated has gotten vaccinated. Yeah. 
And everyone who doesn't want to get vaccinated, it's like everyone who isn't vaccinated at this point just didn't want it, like not because they they aren't able to get it. I'm in West Virginia right now, and it's this kind of the same. The vaccine rollout was pretty good in our state, but it's like everyone who want it who wants it at this point has probably gotten it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the majority of the country. Like I read that 57% of adults have at least one shot um, and we need 60% fully vaccinated for herd immunity to open things back up. So that's going to be like before the end of the year, which I'm hopeful for. It just sucks. I mean, like bringing it back to what I was talking about earlier, I guess it just sucks that like other, like I read yesterday that that the Philippines so far has vaccinated 2% of people and that they're not going to reach herd immunity without like serious intervention by like Western countries, they're not going to reach herd immunity for another like eight years. And so, Jeez. I mean, the, the the crisis isn't over until it's over for everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the fight goes on. But uh, that being said, it is nice to get a taste of what post-COVID life will look like. Uh, before you go, just because I feel like it's a question we should always ask, what would be your superpower if you could choose one? Oh my God, me and my boyfriend have this conversation all the time. <laughs> so he says that the best one is super speed um, because uh, super speed just comes in, in handy all the time. Like he's like, oh, you know, I could transport anywhere, technically speaking. Like if I'm fighting a, a villain, like if I can travel faster than he can, then like he's really no match for me. Um, I agree, um, maybe, but that wouldn't be my top choice. My top choice would be talking to animals for sure. Like I've always felt like a connection to them from when I was a young nice, kid. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, but and then I was telling my boyfriend that and he was like, that just sounds like it'd be depressing, you know, like <laughs> just like hearing because I mean, like we don't treat animals well at all. Like, I feel like if I could hear animals thoughts, like the pigeons outside would be like, life was so much easier before these fuckers like industrial revolutionized, you know? <laughs> Yeah, or like if if I ever were to go past like a slaughterhouse or something, like my my head would be filled. Oh, like, oh, just hear all the screams! Yeah. Oh my god. Um, so hopefully I'd be able to turn it off and on. I don't know if I were not able to turn it off and on. I always say that like force fields and invisibility, kind of like Violet from uh, The Incredibles. I think that okay. that's a really yeah. really cool superpower. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? I think, I mean, if I were, if it were my choice, uh, I would probably pick like healing, like Wolverine kind of. Oh yeah, that's cool. Uh, but everyone around me says I just am really loud. So I should be like Banshee or like Black Canary, just like the scream that like destroys things. So <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what about you guys? I feel like mine, I would like, um, I don't know, like almost like the purple man in Marvel, but like basically like me speaking. I power get, of persuasion. Yeah, the power of persuasion. Not necessarily like full-on mind control, but like I say something and it suggests something to this person. Well, do you watch maybe. Umbrella Academy? Yeah. Like yeah, that, so like, like, yeah, that. like Emmy Raver's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I heard a rumor. Do you guys watch Umbrella? Yeah, do you guys watch Umbrella Academy? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't You haven't seen it? Seen it? Oh, okay, so that's good. One it's of the really characters, good. yeah, one of the characters in it um, has a superpower where every time she says, I heard a rumor, um, whatever she says after that, happens She'll so do. like if she says like and it's she usually uses it to control people so oh, like that's really cool yeah. yeah so she's like i heard a rumor like she used it on her child which was like a huge point of contention in the show that's why Eesh. her husband left her but like yeah. every time her, her child wouldn't fall asleep she'd be like i heard a rumor that you went to bed and i didn't think that was that bad but whatever yeah. <laughs> like i feel like i feel like the brunt of parenting falls on yeah. mothers anyways and it's like do what you can you know yeah, the kid needs I, to sleep as a anyways father, i agree with you uh, the brunt of mother does fall or the parenting does fall on the mother and cut them cut cut mom some slack you know yeah why are you superpower shaming her that's some <laughs> bullshit <laughs> uh, what about you anthony what kind of superpower? i would i would definitely be like professor x i want all like the telekinetic telepathic oh. abilities do things with my mind read people's minds mm. evil yeah, I just actually rewatched uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. That was an unreasonably good good movie for the year it was that it came so out. I liked good. it. Yeah, it, was it, was. it was a good one. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, speaking of X Men, actually, so Elliot Page is in both X Men and Umbrella Academy. Yeah. You should yeah. definitely watch Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy is like very good. It's actually now that I think about it, pretty similar to X Men, like premise wise, but it doesn't take place in the Marvel or DC universe. It's just like based I watched on some... the the like first half of the first season, but I don't know something about it I didn't like. But everyone loves it, so I got to like it a lot. It a I like yeah. it. I feel like it. You can tell it's by uh, I think it is. It wasn't it created by Gerard Way, dude from My yeah. Chemical Romance. 
Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, you know who's my favorite character on that, though, is Aiden Gallagher. So he's like this 14-year-old. Oh, and five. he plays in the movie... Yeah, a movie, in, not in the movie, in the TV show, he plays a, a 55-year-old stuck in the body of a 14-year-old. Yeah. And so that just takes so much like mental fortitude, I feel like. Like he's there, he's 14, he's the youngest one, he has the least acting experience, but he really seems the most seasoned of everyone. Was that like, his first role? It was his second role. His first role, role was on um, on some Nick show that like didn't last longer than like a season or two. But he auditioned for that role. And I remember watching an interview with the creators who were like the moment he walked in, like his presence, we were just like, and he was actually familiar with the comics, which is very rare for a 14 year old. You know, like the comics nice. came out, I believe, in like the 80s or 90s. And so a majority of the people who auditioned who said they were fans of the comics were a little bit older. But he just like plays this. And like, so as this 55 year old, like stuck in the body of a 14 year old, he like uh, has to curse it people you know he's like ordering people around he's like you know he's talking to his like siblings technically who are played by men who are 20 years younger than him but 20 years older than him but like in the movie they're 20 years younger than him so he has to boss them around and yell at them he's like you guys are morons you're fucking idiots and it's just like so good like that kid alone i feel like makes the show worth watching um i'm a very big aiden gallagher (laughs) fan i know a lot of people uh, a lot of people my age and younger make fun of him apparently he's corny like he like (laughs) apparently he's like very full of himself but like in his defense i would also be full of myself if i were 14 and and not getting in a show of that yeah, yeah. so full of myself yeah exactly yeah. um i am very of the belief that he's the best youth actor of our generation i think the stranger things kids come come in like a close second but uh because they they have a very similar scenario of like um having to play kids who deal with adult scenarios but i think being a kid who plays an adult is like a different level of difficult and like yeah. i don't think aiden i mean i could be wrong i don't think he's won any nominations for his character and i just think that that's kind of criminal like i really figured he would have gotten an emmy by now you know he might have one i haven't done that much research on it i just feel like it would have been bigger news you know maybe he'll be an x-men yeah x-men or i was gonna say the young avengers or he, i feel like he would make a really good damian wayne batman Ooh, son yeah. Ooh, like that. oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. The well, cool. last thing, and then I'll leave. But have you guys seen Harley <laughs> Quinn, the cartoon? Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't Batman's son in that one like a moron? <laughs> no, he's like an arrogant little shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Damien. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, it's that was like so a, good. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah, that's a really funny show. That's a really yeah. comedically strong. That show. is a really good show. I actually, uh, fun story, and I hope it's okay that I share this yeah. with. With the yeah. people, I mean, like, it's. I hope it's okay. Is it another I lie? This. I want to hear something. <laughs> <laughs> Is it about your iCarly gets AIDS episode? <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> no, um, I made a joke that uh, I was like, Harley Quinn's full name is Harleen. Harleen is an Indian name, therefore. Harley Quinn's Indian and the creator of Harley Quinn the cartoon saw that and followed me on Twitter and I was just like that's so oh, crazy nice. isn't that crazy that is cool nice. um, yes. yeah it's just a fun story I mean like it's a fun story because that is I think uh, one of my top favorite animated shows and and it's cool that the guy who created it is also just really yeah, nice no, that's cool um, but yeah thank you guys so much yeah. for having me this thanks for so coming much on coming thank on. you for coming on it was on. a lot of fun thank you Abby Govindan for coming on of course yeah. and I will see you guys really soon later yeah, yeah. let's do this again bye Hi, you're listening to Comics and Chronic, and I'm Jacob H. I'm Cody Cannon. And I'm Anthony Iannaccio. And you can tune in every Thursday to hear new episodes of Comics and Chronic. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Comics and Chronic. That's Comics, the letter N, Chronic. We'll see you guys next week. Woo! Peace.